Welcome to Eastern Carolina Farming. Hello, farmers and friends. I'm Dan Miller. This is a program about agriculture across the state of North Carolina, most particularly here in the east. You can hear it Mondays at 6.30 in the morning or 6 o'clock at night, or you can listen to the podcast at ecfarming.com. On this Easter Monday, we'll talk with Hunter Barrier about new and emerging crops in North Carolina. Is there something on the horizon that might enter your crop rotation? (laughs) I'll ask him just that. Also ahead on the program, Jeff Turner and I take a quick gander at a headline or two. Eastern Carolina Farming is sponsored by Ag Carolina Farm Credit, First Choice Insurance Partners, and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC. Jeff Turner is the COO of Murphy Family Ventures and decades-long member of the North Carolina Board of Agriculture and my co-host. Welcome, Mr. Turner. Hey, Dan. Good Monday to you. I hope you had a good weekend. I did have a good Easter weekend. Uh, The weather, well... But we're able to salvage a little bit out of it. It's North Carolina weather at its best. I knew that was coming. Every time I read one of the articles about how California is dealing with the flooding and the excessive rain and the snowpack they've got, which is way beyond where they've been in years, it reminds me of a commissioner saying, every dry spell is followed by a wet spell. That's what the old folks always said. We talk about commodity prices at good levels. Fertilizer continues its slide down, which is good. And something we talked about with Patrick DeHaan, a fuel buddy, increased capacity coming online for diesel. Now we see diesel prices down, uh, I think the national average is something like four and change. Uh, last week, gas jumped like 30 or 40 cents overnight. There was a bit of a spike when the Saudis said they were going to cut production back of petroleum a bit, but we're like 340s, somewhere along in there. However, diesel has been down at like 418, 412, 410 in the last couple of weeks. But it beats the heck out of five bucks. Indeed. Now, they're starting to plant in the Ukraine, and folks are looking to what the yield's going to be there and what's going to be able to be shipped. They're looking like they're going to get 37% of the harvest out this fall due to lower planted acres, lower yields, according to the National Academy of Agricultural Sciences in the Ukraine. And we've got a renewal yet ahead prior to harvest with Russia on the Black Sea port shipping. Regardless of whether it's good or bad, it's going to be bad. They're going to try to make a problem out of it. So it comes with a heavy price tag. Things are getting difficult in the U.K. with the cutback of natural gas from Russia. Between the green energy policy they have over in Europe, especially the U.K., along with what's happened with natural gas and oil, they, they are refiring their coal plants. Imagine that. Never you know, we, we go all these years and talk about how bad the coal plants are, and we're going to do all this. Uh, we're doing wood chips, and we're doing wind, and we're doing solar, and we're doing natural gas. Everybody's plugging in those EVs, I guess. They're having to go back and fire those coal plants up again. The stores in the U.K. are limiting purchase of tomatoes, cucumbers, and peppers. The seed prices are skyrocketing and demand for home-planted gardens in the U.K. higher than it's been in like 50 years. It's not unknown. They have been hungry before. Again, this craziness, the, the whole the whole idea of how in, in the EU, how, how you have to uh, provide play toys for animals inside their pinning and that sort of thing. They have to have so many feet of square feet of pinning. I, I understand part of that's good. I, I got it. You go to the extreme, just like they've done with their power. You're going to go hungry and you're going to be cold. 
Department of Agriculture released proposed rules outlining a new requirement to better align with product of the USA label, which consumers interpreted as from the USA. That, according to studies the U.S. Department of Agriculture made. So now the proposed rule allows a voluntary product of the USA or made in the USA on meat, poultry, or eggs that actually are animals born in the U.S., raised in the U.S., slaughtered in the U.S., and processed in the U.S., as it was before any animal or protein substance that had significant transformation, which could be as insignificant as trimming, rewrapping, and then repacking, could carry the label. It's a great thing. I think people need to understand where their food comes from. Grown right here in the good old USA is a pretty good deal. Grown right here in North Carolina is a good deal. And that's the topic of today's program. We'll talk with Hunter Barrier. He is the superintendent of the agricultural station at Clinton. But for our conversation, he's the coordinator of new and emerging crop and the grant program for them. Coming up in just a moment on Eastern Carolina Farming. This is Eastern Carolina Farming. On Talk 96.3 and 103.7, I'm Dan Miller. We're joined by Superintendent of the Clinton, North Carolina Extension Office, Hunter Barrier. He's also the coordinator for the New and Emergent Crop Grant Program. And I find it fascinating to find out what could be on the horizon. Well, first off, the grant program. So the New and Emerging Crops Program is administered concurrently with the Bioenergy Research Initiative and both are under the umbrella of NCDA's Research Station Division. What we do at the New and Emerging Crops Program is we offer a grant program for researchers, extension, farmers, private industry partners, nonprofits to conduct research on new and emerging crops. And we also utilize our research stations to test these crops and do demonstration plots and, and those kind of things. Jeff Turner and I talked to you a couple of years ago, and one thing we talked about is rice. Has anything changed in the last couple of years as far as North Carolina rice is concerned? Yep. We have funded several rice research projects. Dr. Angela Post and Dr. David Suchoff at NC State in the Crop Science Department, they're conducting that research, and they are partnered with uh, Tidewater Grain Company. They've done some really good work, and, you know, Tidewater Grain – is currently the only rice producer in the state, but they have significantly increased their acreage, and uh, we've learned a lot through research. and And North Carolina is being positioned through this work to add additional rice acreage in the future. You know, they're currently developing production fact sheets, trying to get some new herbicides labeled, understanding. You know, when, if you're going to do flooded production. You need to be able to map the field and figure out, you know, where do you need to put your levy infrastructure. So these are all some research questions that we're trying to answer or that the researchers are trying to answer to to make this a, um, a crop for North Carolina. Tidewater's in Pamlico County, but a lot of the original rice production in North Carolina was down in Brunswick and around the Cape Fear River Basin. Nothing starting there? Any interest in that area? Not yet, but I think at some point we could see that come online. Are we kind of behind it a little bit as compared to maybe South Carolina in rice production? Yes. So one of the fun things about working with new and emerging crops is that you you basically get to start from a, a clean slate on research. And there's really been no significant rice production in North Carolina, you know, since the late 1800s. So, you know, we don't have the agronomic data you know, we don't have the varietal information, the fertility information. We don't have pesticides labeled 
for North Carolina. So, so it's basically starting over with the research. In the case of Tidewater, I remember in our conversation with them, as far as the variety goes, they had to go back in time and search to be able to find what was once planted here. Yes, they're the two varieties that they're growing are Carolina Gold and Santee Gold. Dr. Post, who's been doing a lot of the research on their farm, has been working with these varieties. But they've also been testing you know, commercial varieties like non-flooded applications on some of our research stations. Do you see a future for this to actually become a larger produced rather than a boutique crop for North Carolina? I, I think there is a potential for some more acreage, especially we had in the future there's there's some problems with uh you know water intrusion and and mm-hmm. you know just areas staying wet and, and there's a, i think there's an opportunity for more rice as we talk about rice it makes me think about the fact that we are looking at a product that was produced here 100 150 years ago and now we're going back to it as if it was a new product for north carolina because it hasn't been produced in so long anything else fits that category we funded several projects. Um, muscadines are one of the, the oldest crops in North America, right? But seedless muscadines would be something brand new, and it would really change the paradigm of how customers view muscadines and, and, and how they consume muscadines. We talked to a number of folks from North Carolina Department of Agriculture. They see muscadine grapes as being a, a great potential for an export crop, especially to Asian countries. My assumption is if we can come up with a seedless variety, that that's just aces in that region. Yes. Yep. We're still trying to figure out the whole hemp fiber scenario. And have we seen any advancement on that over the last couple of years? On the research side, you know, we, we've came a long way. I, I was at the Piedmont Research Station in Salisbury, and I remember some of the first years that NC State faculty were, were planting fiber hemp, and uh, it was a struggle. Over the last few years, you know, we've gotten some some different genetics, and, and Dr. Suchoff's program at NC State, they have done a really good job with uh, the variety work, and the new crops program has funded research to look at, you know, density, nitrogen rates, uh, weed control still problems, so looking at getting herbicides labeled, but uh, we've, we've came a long way, and then we've got some, some industry developing in North Carolina, and if anyone's available on... Uh, Thursday, April 13th, uh, they'll be able to hear from a few people who are in the fiber industry, and and they're going to give us kind of a a look at at how North Carolina's positioned and from farm to retail, the processing. Other than in the dirt, any grant money for emergent crops able to go to operations such as milling for hemp fiber or for rice? We've done some research on the rice side. We have funded some projects to look at the post-harvest processes, and also now, this past year, we funded a project to look at what to do with the, um, like the holes after they go through the processing. Is there an opportunity to create a land-applied product? So, so there are opportunities there. We we haven't really had any proposals submitted for some of the the fiber hemp as part of the project that we're doing this year with. With Dr. David Suchoff, we're looking at some redding processes in the field for the mm-hmm. farmer, but no real proposals for uh, on the milling side or the post-farmer processing side. We're joined by Hunter Barrier on this Easter Monday version of Eastern Carolina Farming. We'll have more in just a moment. 
This is Eastern Carolina Farming on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Our program is brought to you in part by Ag Carolina Farm Credit, financing rural North Carolina for generations. Lending solutions for farms, land, and homes personalized for you. Ag Carolina Farm Credit, giving you room to grow. I'm Dan Miller. On this week's edition, we're talking with Hunter Barrier. He's the superintendent of the North Carolina Extension Office in Clinton, But more importantly for our conversation today, he's the coordinator of new and emerging crops. Let me shoot a couple of crops at you that may or may not be on your list, and I'm curious to see if we've looked at them or it is something we may be looking at for North Carolina. Hops. Yes, yep. Dr. Janine Davis in NC State's Horticulture Department, she is based at the um, Mills River Station. Through her program and uh, Dr. Lupine Q. They have developed two new varieties of hops that look to have a lot of potential in North Carolina. And, uh, you know, we can get yields now competitive to to what the growers in the Pacific Northwest would get. You don't have to drive too far or turn many corners in any urban area, and you'll come across some sort of a brew pub operation. It seems to me that that would dovetail so well if we had something unique here. And one thing I was really surprised about, we... Uh, Every year during the farm show, we have a booth to showcase some of the work that's been going on with new and emerging crops in North Carolina, and I had some of the hop sample. It generates a lot of a lot of interest, um, you know, from all over the state, and it, it's surprising, you know, not only craft breweries, but how many people are interested in growing hops in their backyard. Here's another one. Sesame. Yes, yeah. yeah, so sesame is... Um, of all the new and emerging crops that we've worked with right now, sesame is probably the, the hottest crop and, and has the most potential to make an, a direct, immediate impact. The sesame story is kind of interesting. We um, we were connected with a company called Equinom. Uh, they're a, a plant breeding company in 2020. And my colleagues and I, we put some demonstration plots on four research stations across North Carolina we had a good crop at three of them, and we had a failure at one site, but it generated a lot of interest. So now Dr. David Suchoff and Dr. Angela Post at NC State, they they kind of took over the research, and, and we've got several years of research now. This year there will be commercial sesame acreage in North Carolina. Is it very hand-intensive product to grow? And you mentioned commercial acreage in North Carolina. How's that being done this year? The good thing about sesame is it's uh, it's a it's an agronomic row crop. So so farmers that have traditional equipment, a planter, a grain drill, a combine, they can grow sesame. So it'll fit well into a rotation with corn, soybeans, tobacco growers. You know you can rotate it into cotton, sweet potatoes. So it's a very good rotational crop. It's not a high labor crop. We're, we're working with a company. Sessico, uh, which is a vertically integrated company, who they do everything from plant breeding and seed development to working with farmers to sales and ingredient manufacturing. So, so Sessico is the company who's buying sesame, but the main part of their operations are based out west and in, in Texas and Oklahoma. There's a little bit of uh, of southeast production in Georgia. But there were, there'd been no production in North and South Carolina. And there's a company called uh, Little Mill Seed Company in Dillon, South Carolina. Those guys have done a, a good job about getting the, the word out about sesame. They have contracted with growers in the Carolinas, and they're going to be a buying point. Farmer 
harvest sesame with a combine, and they take it straight to, to Dillon, South Carolina. What do you look in the distance between rows? Do you have to reset things? The interesting thing with, that we found through research with sesame, the crop is extremely plastic. So, you know, you can plant it in seven and a half inch rows, or you can plant it in thirty inch rows. You can plant it in thirty six inch rows, and the plant will compensate. We think since we have limited um, weed control options, especially in the eastern North Carolina where there's a lot of tillage done, that that you know thirty inch rows where they can cultivate will will be beneficial. But the good thing about sesame is it's it's an easily adapted crop for row spacing. What's the yield like, a theoretical yield on like an acre? We think safely we could tell growers that, that you could get 1,000 pounds. David Suchoff's research trials that were funded through our New and Emerging Crops program, you know, he saw yields of, of over 2,000 pounds per acre. And that is incredible when you think about, you know, Texas and Oklahoma might see 800 pounds per acre. But you also have to consider that's in a plot-type situation. So, you know, just a conservative guess, we think for sure we can be at 1,000 pounds an acre. I have any clue what uh, what contract prices are like? I want to say the last number I heard was roughly uh, 60 cents a pound, somewhere in that, that range. And, and the good thing about sesame is it's a, it's a low-input crop. So, you know, you need 75, 80 units of nitrogen, but it's drought-resistant. Uh, and it's uh, it's a lot cheaper crop to grow. What we've seen in research trials so far is that deer do not seem to bother it as bad. One thing that's really interesting with sesame, which I think will be huge for eastern North Carolina growers, is that some of uh, Dr. Suchoff's research and his graduate research, Marcella Chavez, they did a greenhouse study where they screened resistance to nematodes and you know in North Carolina the story with the, the guava root knot nematode and, and what that can do to our sweet potato industry. Sesame seems to have resistance or it seems to be a non-host to all the nematodes that they screened. So when you look at it from that standpoint as being a rotational crop, that's really, really important. This is Talk 96.3 and 103.7. We're chatting with Hunter Barrier about new and emergent crops. We'll be right back on Eastern Carolina Farming. I'm sure you'll be planting soon with your autonomous tractor, and you're going to need something to read. It's a good time to browse the pages of Farmer's Connection magazine. Farmer's Connection is a newsprint magazine with listings of new and used inventory at local dealers, like Premier Equipment in Aden, Beaufort, Enfield, and Rocky Mount, Caps Trailers in Kinston, Benchmark Buildings and Irrigation in Murfreesboro, Keenansville, and Pembroke, or check out auction schedules like Jason Acock's auctions. Grab a copy of the April Farmer's Connection when you stop by almost any independent farm equipment dealer in North or South Carolina or Southern Virginia. This is Eastern Carolina Farming on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. We're talking with Hunter Barrier about new and emergent crops and the grant program. It's going to be an informational session coming up this week, Thursday, April 13th at the Steve Troxler Agricultural Science Center in Raleigh. How do we get up with you to uh, to get registered? And there, you, you do have to be registered, right? The best way to register is just to go online and, and go to Eventbrite and search NCDA Bioenergy Research Initiative New and Emerging Crops, and that'll pull up our event. The morning session of the program will focus on bioenergy research. So you get to see um, some work that's been done by NC State researchers in bio and ag engineering looking at how you can take duckweed and produce biogas on swine lagoons 
or how you can take corn stover or any really crop residue and make uh, turn it into hydrogen. Another thing they'll be looking at sycamore production and using that those trees for the pellet industry. In the afternoon session, it's all going to be about new and emerging crops. Primarily, it'll be it'll be grain crops and hemp fiber. So we'll talk about the hemp fiber research that's been done the last few years. What does the industry look like in North Carolina? So who are some of the people involved? And there there are growers now growing fiber hemp. So there'll be some farmers there to talk about their experience. And then we'll also talk about uh, the sesame story and rice production. So there's a lot of cool things that will be, be talked about at that meeting. Interesting discussion of what could be ahead is a cash crop in eastern North Carolina. Hunter Barrier is the superintendent of the Extension Office in Clinton and coordinator for the New and Emerging Crops Program for the North Carolina Department of Agriculture. That's this week's Eastern Carolina Farming. If you miss a show, play the podcast on demand at ecfarming.com. There you'll also find links to our sponsors, Ag Carolina Farm Credit, First Choice Insurance Partners, and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC. Eastern Carolina Farming is a production of Interbanks Media. If you like the show, send me a topic. Email dan at ecfarming.com. For Jeff Turner and myself, Dan Miller, have a great week.